so picture this scene in your head. It is the end of the church service. The pastor has finished his message, and he walks off the platform to stand in front of a large wooden table that's at the front center of the sanctuary right underneath the pulpit. He says, now church, we're about to do something very special this morning, and then he proceeds to talk about some sort of meal, a meal that we will celebrate together, he says. He talks about the broken body of Jesus and the blood that he shed on the cross. He gives some instructions and calls down front a group of older men. Uh, They read some scripture, pray a prayer, and the men then begin to pass out these different silver trays and pass them down each row of pews. As the trays are, are passed by, each person takes out of it a small broken bit of cracker and a thimble sized cup of juice. Now, no one eats the cracker or actually drinks the juice until the pastor once again gets up front, reads some scripture, and prays, and only then does the entire congregation in unison eat their bite of cracker and drink their thimble of juice. Afterward, everybody stands, sings one last prayer, and then everyone goes home. Now, what just happened? How was that a supper, (laughs) much less any other kind of meal, right? Well, if you grew up in church, you know exactly what just happened. What I just described is what is commonly known as the Lord's Supper or communion, or even in some circles, the Eucharist. But here's the question. What if you didn't grow up in church? What if you didn't have a real faith background? What if all of this is brand new? What would you think then? Would it seem maybe a little awkward or a little weird? Why would a church do something like that? How is eating a cracker and drinking some juice connected to our faith? And what does it mean when the pastor says that this bread is Christ's body and the cup is his blood? What does that mean? Now, here's the truth. These aren't just questions for those with a limited church background. If we're honest, these are questions that many of us, maybe even you, have struggled with over the years. Or maybe they're questions that you don't really have an answer to, but you've never spent much time thinking about either, even as an established, faithful believer. Well, all of that is why, for the next four weeks, we are going to talk about the Lord's Supper. We're going to talk about its essential importance to our spiritual formation as followers of Jesus. And personally, I have a few specific reasons why I think that this topic of the Lord's Supper is important enough for us to devote this length of time to as we begin our year together. Uh, The first of those reasons is the centrality of the Lord's Supper when you look at the early church. Right When you look back at the first iteration, the earliest iterations of the church that we see in the New Testament in the years that follow, we see that that early church placed a significant priority on the Lord's Supper in their gatherings. In many cases, it seems like the Lord's Supper was the main purpose of their gatherings. And I think they understood something about the importance of the Lord's Supper that in its importance to our growth and our faith that many uh, in the church today have lost. And I think that's the second reason. It's that lost significance of the Lord's Supper inside of today's church. Um, It's easy, I think, to just go through the motions of the Lord's Supper. It's easy to just believe that something special takes place, but not really knowing what that something special is. It's easy to drink and to eat and to think that somehow Jesus is doing something for us in this moment, but we're never really quite sure 
of what that something is. See, what I believe is that if what takes place during communion matches what we read in the New Testament, then as we gather around the table, it should be a vivid reminder of the gospel. The significance of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross is conveyed not just in words that we read, words that we hear, words that we sing, but in the Lord's Supper, the significance of what Jesus accomplished for us is tangibly and physically there in the bread and the cup. And as we gather around the table together, as a church, we continue to proclaim the Lord's victorious death pictured at the table until he returns. And so I think that's maybe the third reason that I think it's worth our time to talk about this is that we need to recover the table and its importance in our own spiritual formation. If we just go through the motions of the Lord's Supper, then what we do is reduce it down to a mere ritual and we miss out on its main purpose. I believe that Jesus wants us to know what we're doing and why we're doing it when we eat and drink the Lord's Supper. Because I believe that that moment is a beautiful and peculiar act of worship. And in that, Jesus wants to bless us. But that blessing only comes as we thoughtfully participate in the meaning-filled meal. And so over the next month, we're going to hope to work and learn together to better understand the significance and importance of the Lord's Supper so that we can better, in so doing, receive, enjoy, and grow in the grace of Jesus given through the table. And so what we're going to look at over the next four weeks is we're going to see how the table of the Lord's Supper helps us to look back, to look forward, to look in, and to look around. But for today, as we get started, we're going to look at how the table helps us to look back and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. So if you got your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be in this section of Scripture for all four weeks, and, and each week maybe look at a different piece of what Paul here teaches the Corinthian church about how they are to partake in the Lord's Supper. For today, we're going to read just a few verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. If you have your Bibles, read it with me. I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. This is what it says. Paul writes, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So for today, I want to focus in on that phrase, do this in remembrance of me. As a matter of fact, if you grew up in a smaller traditional country church and you had one of those large wooden tables at the front of the sanctuary, there's a good chance that that phrase, do this in remembrance of me, was engraved on that table. So as we look at that phrase, I think it's maybe important for us to start out with what I consider probably a better translation of that phrase. Instead of do this in remembrance of me, I think it's probably easier for us to say, do this to remember me. 
Now, I think it's the same meaning. That was the intention of Jesus when he said, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it to remember me. Do this to remember me. It's just that we don't use words like remembrance a lot in our modern vocabulary. So what we would say is that Jesus has given us the Lord's Supper and he says, do this to remember me. So I think it's important that we note, we don't just partake of the Lord's Supper because we remember his sacrifice. That's part of it. We don't just do it because we remember his sacrifice, but in a very real sense, we take the Lord's Supper in order that we might remember his sacrifice. There is a special time to remember as we gather around the table because at its core, the Lord's Supper is a meal of remembrance. It is the new Passover for the new covenant. Now, even if you grew up in church, that phrase, it is the new Passover for the new covenant, that probably needs a little unpacking. But I do think when we begin to understand the Lord's Supper in this light, that this idea can unlock a deeper and more meaningful understanding of what we're doing as we take the Lord's Supper. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit for a minute. You see, under the old covenant, which admittedly many Jewish people still live under today, Jewish families would gather once a year year for a special meal called the Seder. They would eat a sacrificed lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread, and it would initiate for them their annual celebration of the Passover. Now, this celebration was called Passover uh, as a reference to what happened as God delivered the people from Egypt years and years ago. You see, during his judgment on the land of Egypt, uh, that judgment that ultimately led to the deliverance of the nation of Israel, what God did in his mercy was instruct every Jewish household to go sacrifice a lamb and then to take the blood of that lamb and put it over their doors as a sign. And then when he sent the angel of death upon the land to take the firstborn of every household, when the angel saw the blood of the lamb, it would pass over that house. And so that's where the idea of Passover comes. And so as those Jewish families in Egypt thousands of years ago ate the slaughtered lamb, tasted the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread, they literally experienced God's salvation and their deliverance. And so this celebration of Passover and specifically the recreation of the meal that they ate that night became an annual event for the Israelites. Uh, It was an event that God himself instituted and God did it to remind the people that he had spared them, that he had rescued them, that he had delivered them from the land of Egypt by his hand and by his power. Not because they were without sin, not because they were better than the Egyptians, so to speak, but because of his mercy and the blood of the slaughtered lamb. And so every year, generation after generation, the nation of Israel remembered God's act of salvation by eating this meal. So... Just as the Passover meal reminded the nation of Israel of God's deliverance for them, the Lord's Supper now reminds Jesus' people, the church, of how he has rescued us. 
But the table of the Lord's Supper commemorates a far greater salvation than the table of the Passover. You see, the rescue from Egypt was really just a preview. It was a foreshadowing of a greater salvation that would come one day through the promised Messiah, the true and better rescuer who we know as Jesus. Through the death of Jesus, God has rescued his people once and for all from slavery to sin and death. And so now at the table, the church is reminded of the body of our Lord beaten and broken by bearing the judgment for our sin that it had rightly earned as we eat the torn and broken bread. And at the Lord's table, now the church is reminded of his blood shed so that our sins would be forgiven and our relationship for the fa- with the Father restored through the cup that we drink. You see, at the table of the Lord's Supper, we come face to face with the price for our sin and the cost of our forgiveness, lest we forget. You see, the table forces us to remember. So, Why is that so important? Why is it so important that we remember these things? Well, I would say that it's important because remembering is a foundational part of our spiritual formation. But honestly, remembering is hard. Um, Now, it may seem weird to think of remembering as a way that we are formed spiritually and a way that we grow in our faith. Uh, But think of it this way. I heard this phrase and I like it. Obedience falters when memory fails. So I think just at at face value in its simplest form, what that's saying is we can't do what we remember, right? Like if, if I ask my son to take out the trash, he will not take out the trash if he forgets to take out the trash. I know that seems simple, but that's the logic of the statement. Obedience falters when memory fails. But I think there's even a deeper level than that spiritually. You see, when we forget the truth of the gospel, our faith begins to crumble. When we forget our sinfulness, we begin to become self-righteous. When we forget our dependence on Jesus for our salvation, well, then we stop depending on him in other areas of our life too. When we forget the holiness of God, we begin to excuse sin in our own lives. When we forget just who Jesus is and just what he has done, our worship begins to grow stale and dry. You see, we must remember Remembering is essential to our faith and our spiritual formation. But I think on an even more practical level than that, when we remember God's faithfulness to us in the past, our faith for what he's going to do in the future grows. Uh, Maybe think of it like this. Let's say it like this. Remembering what God has done builds faith in what he will do. So what that looks like in your life is that when you remember that God was faithful to save you from your sin, 
then you're going to be able to uh, trust that he's going to save you from this bad relationship, right? When, when you look back and see all the time that God has come through for you, opening doors in just the right moment, then you'll learn to trust that if he did it then, he's going to do it again in the future. So remembering what God has done builds faith in our life for what we know he will do. Let me, let me read to you a quote from pastor and author Tim Chester uh, about the importance of remembering. This is what he says. The primary way that we are to encourage counsel and exhort one another is through reminding one another of the gospel. Of course, there are times when Christians, especially new Christians, must be taught truths they didn't previously know. But most of the time, what we need to hear is the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And this is what preachers must offer in their preaching. Counselors must offer in their counsel. And friends must offer in their conversation. And this is what Christ offers us in the Lord's Supper. Through the Lord's Supper at the table, we are given a chance to remember. But to remember in a very specific way. You see, specifically... The Lord's Supper helps us to remember the good news of the gospel in a physically tangible way. You see, the, the Lord's Supper started with Jesus and his disciples the night before he was to give himself as a sacrifice for the sin of the world on a cross. And, and that night, as he gathers in an upper room with his disciples, he, he takes a piece of bread and he says, This is my body which is broken for you. And he tears it and, and passes it around and says, do this, eat this to remember me. And then he poured out a cup of wine and passed it around for them to each have a drink. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it to remember me. So the reason that the church still today sets aside time to eat this bread and to drink this cup, it is not that we need a repeat of Jesus' sacrifice. We don't. The sacrifice of Jesus is perfect once and for all. It needs no improvement. It needs no repetition. But instead, we do this to remember what he's already done and to relish in what that perfect sacrifice means for each of us. The bread symbolizes Jesus' body, and the wine symbolizes Jesus' blood. And as we eat and drink these symbols, they point us back to Jesus' loving and life-giving sacrifice made for us. So the Lord's Supper then helps us to remember the gospel, but to remember it tangibly with our physical senses. As we taste the bread in our mouth, we remember that just as real as that bread is sitting on our tongue, it's just as real as the fact that the Son of God became man and gave up his body for us to be whipped and beaten and broken so that we might have eternal life. As we taste the sweetness of that wine or juice, we can remember tangibly the sweetness of having our sins forgiven because Jesus poured out his blood to wash us clean and make us new. I think it's so important 
that we understand the act of remembering is more than just a mental exercise. It's not just a calling to mind facts that we have learned. But when we remember at the Lord's table, it is a moment of spiritual formation and a moment of worship. You see, we, we are changed in the remembering. As we remember, we are formed. As we uh, remember, we are changed. As we remember, we are reoriented away from our self-righteousness. As we remember, we are rooted deeper in our new identity as sons and daughters of the King. As we remember, our hearts are moved to worship and motivated to live lives of obedience. That's the Lord's Supper. That's the table. And we need to find that meaning and significance again. And to to move it beyond just something that we do when it's time to do it at the end of a service. And so that's why this year in 2024 here at The Orchard, we're not going to be taking the Lord's Supper uh, every other month on a Sunday morning at the end of the service as we've done for the last few years. What we want to do is we want to highlight the importance and significance of the Lord's Supper in the night of the church, in the life of the church, and save it for some special nights. And so, what we're going to do this year, as we gather once a quarter for our nightly nights of worship, where from all our locations we come together as one church in one place, in those events, in those moments, at that time together, we are going to take the Lord's Supper. And our first opportunity to do that this year is going to be Sunday night, January 28th, at the Branford High School Auditorium. And if you are watching this and consider yourself part of the orchard, I would love to invite you to come and remember with us. We're going to continue throughout this month looking at other aspects of the Lord's Supper, its significance, its meaning, and how it is a key part of our spiritual formation. And all of that is going to culminate as we come together to take the bread, to drink the cup in a moment of communion with each other and the Lord on Sunday night, January 28th. So I hope you can be there with us then. But for today, let me just close with one more quote from author and pastor Tim Chester. This is what Pastor Chester says. He says, like the Israelites of old, we are prone to bouts of spiritual amnesia. We forget what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, and we forget what God promised for our future. We need to be reminded. We dare not forget. So, as we come again, In the future, to the Lord's table, let's take a moment to remember physically, tangibly, the gift of Christ, the hope of the gospel. But even before that moment, right now, let's take a moment to remember that and to relish in that as our hearts roll up to worship. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for the gift of your son, for the giving of his body beaten and broken, for the spilling of his blood, all that we may be made new, forgiven, rescued and delivered once and for all from our sin, from death in the grave. And so God, I pray that that memory would be ever present on our mind. And as we remember, our faith would grow. It would grow for what you're going to do for us in the future. And it would grow even now as it rolls up to worship and motivates us for lives of obedience. So God, I pray 
for my friends who are watching this now, that you would begin to place a burden on their heart for us to gather together as one church in one place around the Lord's table and that they'll do whatever it takes to make sure that they're there as we remember. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.